David said to himself, One of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape immediately to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will stop searching for me everywhere in Israel, and I'll escape from him. So David set out with his 600 men and went to Achish, son of Maok, the king of Gath. David and his men stayed at Achish and Gath. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. When it was reported to Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Now David said to Achish, If I have found favour with you, let me be given a place in one of the outlying towns so I can live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? That day Achish gave Ziklag to him, and it still belongs to the kings of Judah today. The time that David stayed in the Philistine territory amounted to a year and four months. David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. From ancient times, they had been the inhabitants of the region through Shur as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he did not leave a single person alive, either man or woman, but he took flocks, herds, donkeys, camels, and clothing. Then he came back to Achish, who inquired, Where did you raid today? David replied, The south country of Judah, the south country of the Jeremelites, or against the south country of the Kenites. David did not let a man or woman live to be brought to Gath, for he said, or they will inform on us and say, this is what David did. This was David's custom during the whole time he stayed in the Philistine territory. So Kish trusted David, thinking, since he has made himself detestable to his people Israel, he will be my servant forever. At that time, the Philistines brought their military units together to one army to fight against Israel. So Kish said to David, You know, of course, that you and your men must march out in the army with me. David replied to Achish, Good, you will find out what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, Very well, I will appoint you as my permanent bodyguard. All right, thanks, Nathan. Don't you love those videos that the Bible Project does? Uh, we're going to see a series of uh, four of them. So that's the first one. And um, so we did plot in biblical narrative in the video today. Next week we're looking at character in biblical narrative. And then we'll look at uh, the structure of biblical narratives and, and a couple of other things as well. And it's important to do that, I think, to, to look at these videos because we're looking at a biblical narrative as we read about what happened in the story of 1 Samuel. And uh, next year we'll start into 2 Samuel because we'll be finishing 1 Samuel next week. Uh, this week we're looking at chapter 27, 29 and 30. And then next week we'll look at 28 and 31. And the reason that we're going to be doing that is because similar to uh, perhaps in a movie, you're following one character and then there's a scene with that character, and then there's another character, and you have a scene with that character. And then you come back to the first character again, and then you come back to the second character, and then they meet up. And you realise that what you've been seeing about each character is all happening at the same time, but they don't put it on a split screen uh, to show you both things happening at once because it would be too difficult and confusing. Uh, the TV show 24 tried that for a while in a couple of their early seasons, having multiple scenes on screen at once. And uh, it didn't really work. People didn't like it. And so they stopped doing it. Too confusing. And so 
Uh, what's happening here is we're following one character and then we'll follow the other. So we're just going to look at what happens with David at this time and then we'll pick up what's happening with Saul when we look at it next week. Now you can relax, we're not going to do three chapters in the talk today. Uh, chapter 30 you're going to have opportunity to do in discussion groups. Okay, So I'm actually not going to refer to chapter 30. But I hope you do have a Bible with you because we are going to look at a couple of passages uh, there's a, uh, some interesting things that come out in what Nathan read to us and a little bit further on uh, in chapter 29 that ring bells uh, as we read them. And we go, oh, that's something that we've already seen in 1 Samuel and now it's emerging here. And there are lots of questions to be asked with this chapter. So chapter 27 begins uh, with David having just uh, got away from Saul and uh, not killed him, even though Saul's been chasing him and he's had opportunity to kill him on two occasions. Once in the cave when he cut off the corner of Saul's robe and the other time when Saul was asleep and he took his spear and his water jug to prove that he could have killed him. And Saul says, oh, look, I've been terrible. Come back. But David doesn't go back with him. Instead, as we read the beginning of this chapter in 27, what does David say? One of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. There's nothing better for me than to escape immediately to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will stop searching for me everywhere in Israel and I'll escape from him. So David set out with his 600 men and went to Achish, son of Moak, the king of Gath. Now he's already been to Achish before, back in chapter 21. You might remember he was running from Saul and he went to hide in the city of Gath, but he was recognised. And people said to the king, oh, isn't this the guy, David? You know, he's the one that they sing of in their songs. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And it seemed a bit foolish that David would go to Gath because that's where Goliath came from. And David had struck him dead and cut off his head. And now he goes there and he's recognized. And so what does he do? He pretends he's insane. And he starts dribbling everywhere and starts scratching on the doors and whatnot. So the king says, I've got enough mad people in our, our territory. Get rid of him. And he manages to get away. And so he's spared. But now he's going back there. And it doesn't seem like a secret hiding attempt because he's got 600 men with him, along with their families, their wives and their children. So that perhaps there's 2,000 people here all coming into Gath. They're not going to hide anywhere. And he goes straight to the king and it's like he's got friendship with the king because he talks about being the king's servant and he asks the king for a place, a city that he can stay in. So we read there, uh, verse 3, David and his men stayed with Achish in Gath. Each man had his family with him and David had his two wives, etc. When it was reported to Saul that David had left Gath, he no longer searched for him, just as David had said uh, up in verse 1. And he says to Achish, if I've found favour with you. So what has he done to find favour with the Philistine king? The Philistines are the enemies of the Israelites. Now it seems that Achish is aware that David is on the run from Saul. And so he takes him in and he actually gives him a city. He gives him the city of Ziklag, verse four, uh, 6. That day Achish gave Ziklag to him and it still belongs to the kings of Judah today. And what do we read? David stayed in Philistine territory for a year and four months. And we're left asking the question, what is David doing? Why has he gone to stay with the Philistines? He tells us to get away from Saul. But what of his trust in God? 
doesn't he already have the promise that Saul will not strike him down? Uh, Jonathan, his son, had promised him that, that I will make sure that my father does not lay a hand on you. That was back in chapter 23, verse 17. Why is he not trusting God in chapter 24, verse 14 and 15? When he's speaking to Saul, he says, May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. And yet he's not trusting God to do that. He's going to the enemies. In the Psalms, this is where you might want to look up. Some of you might want to look up this. Psalm 18. I'll read it to you so you don't have to look up. You can just write down the reference if you want. Um, Psalm 18 verse 2, David says in one of his songs, a lot of the Psalms were written in the context of these experiences of being chased by Saul. And he says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. Then in Psalm 54 verse 3, Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. In Psalm 56, he says, When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? You would think that David would continue to trust God to protect him, but instead he's taken protection into his own hands. Did you notice the wording in uh, chapter 27? One of these days I'll be swept away by Saul. He doesn't actually seem to be saying he trusts that God will protect him here. There is nothing better for me than to escape immediately. It's not trust in God or call out to God. It's run to the enemies where Saul won't follow. So David crosses a physical boundary when he goes into Philistine territory, away from uh, the, the home of the Israelites. But he also crosses a spiritual boundary when he goes over to live among them which is not a good thing because he's not trusting God anymore. He's trusting in the enemy of God's people to be his place of safety. And so there's an allegiance boundary that he crosses as well from the people of Israel to the enemies of Israel, which makes me ask, is David a traitor at this point? Is he actually turning against God's people by joining with the enemies? It certainly seems that way to Achish. He's very happy to have David come. You would think that he would have had David killed, but instead he gives him a city, Ziklag, to stay in. And he refers, uh, David has referred to himself as the servant of Achish, and Achish has taken that on board and believed him. Now I read um, some books written by a guy called Stephen King, and there's a series of, of short stories in one of his books called Full Dark No Stars. It's all bad stories. And it's stories about people who you think you know, but they're not really who you think they are. Just because they keep their fingernails trimmed and neat and tidy doesn't mean they're together people at all. And there's some pretty crazy stories there. And as I read this, I'm starting to think, is David not the person we thought he was? We've been lifting him up as the one who loves God and serves God in contrast to Saul. And yet here, his behaviour seems to be a bit bizarre. Is he not who we think he is? 
Is he not the righteous and faithful one? What's he doing? And of course, this is what Achish asks of him in verse 10. He says, where did you raid today? What are you doing? And David replies, oh, the south country of Judah, the south country of the Jeremelites, or again, the south country of the Kenites. Now, these are places in Israelite territory. And so Achish is hearing this and thinking, oh, David is fighting against the Israelites and raiding them. And that's what it looks like when we read it. And Achish falls for this because the truth is that David is not actually fighting against the Israelites at all. If you look back at verse 8, it says, David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. And these were the ones from ancient times who had actually been opposed to God's people. And when God's people came into the promised land under Joshua, God had said, drive these people out of the land that I'm going to give you. But the Israelites failed to do it. And some of these peoples had remained in the land. So when David says to Achish, oh, I've been raiding in these areas of Israelite territory, he's telling the truth, but he's not raiding Israelites. He's fighting against all the peoples who were not originally driven out of the land. And he's fulfilling what God had required of his people when they first took the land that God was giving them. He's finishing off the job, if you like. And this is why, if you turn over the page and look at verse 11, David doesn't let anyone survive. Because if they survive and come back and tell Achish what's really going on, Achish won't trust him. But Achish thinks David is fighting against the Israelites. But we know he's actually not doing that. But then we get this very tricky bit at the end of the chapter. Achish trusted David, thinking since he has made himself detestable to his people Israel, he will be my servant forever. At that time, the Philistines brought their military units together into one army to fight against Israel. So Achish said to David, you know, of course, that you and your men must march out in the army with me. So David is now being put in a position where he's going to be forced to act against the Israelites which he hasn't been doing up until now. He's been actually against the Israelite enemies that were still in the land. So what will David do? Look at what he says. Verse 2, David says, Good, you will find out what your servant can do. And that's such a loaded line. Because Achish hears it, Yes, I've heard all these stories of how you're raiding against the Israelites. Now I'll get to see it. Fantastic. I'll see what my servant can do. But is that what David's actually saying? Or is David going to use the opportunity to turn against Achish? And then Achish will get to see what David really can do in fighting against the enemies of God's people, which would be the Philistines. So is he going to do a switch? Look at what Achish then says. He's so confident. He says, very well, I will appoint you as my permanent bodyguard. How much more trust could he have in David? Now, we have permanent bodyguard there because that's our language. But the language of the time when this was written was a bit different. And it's translated as permanent bodyguard. But what's actually written in the original is, you will be the keeper of my head. Because when a king was killed, the person who killed him would cut his head off. And so it's the same as, you'll be my my bodyguard. You'll protect me from someone killing me and cutting off my head. But it's phrased, you'll be the keeper of my head. And he's saying this to the very guy who cut off Goliath's head after he killed him. And so there's like little hints here of, oh, Akish, don't be foolish, right? 
This is high risk, what you're doing. Let's jump the rest of chapter 28 because we're going to look at that next week where it picks up what's happening with Saul. And we pick it up in 29 with the Philistines, with all their military units together at Aphek while Israel is camping by the spring of Jezreel. The Philistine leaders are passing in review with their units of hundreds and thousands. David and his men were passing in review behind them with Achish. And the Philistine commanders go, what's going on here? How come there are Israelites with Achish and his troops? These guys shouldn't be there. Achish answers, "Uh, that's David, servant of King Saul of Israel. He's been with me a considerable period of time. How long? Here in four months. From the day he defected until today, I found no fault with him. But the Philistine commanders, however, they're enraged with Achish and said, you're an idiot. Actually, they don't say that, but they effectively do. Send that man back and let him return to the place you assigned him. He must not go down with us into battle, only to become our adversary during the battle. Why, he'll turn against us. What better way could he regain his master's favour than with the heads of our men? Isn't this the David they sing about during their dances? So Achish gets uh, David to come to him and he says, Oh, look, you know, my friends, they don't like you. And um, so you're going to have to go back home. Uh, you can't stay with us in the fighting battle. As the Lord lives, you're an honourable man. I know this. I think it's good to have you working with me in the camp because I found no fault in you from the day you came to me until today. But they're not real impressed, the leaders. They don't think you're reliable, so go back quietly. So David then pleads his case, but what have I done? From the first day I was with you until today... What have you found against your servant to keep me from going along to fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King? Another loaded line. See? What have you found against your servant to keep me from going along to fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King? Flick back to chapter 24, verse 8. There's only two places in the whole of 1 Samuel where David previously has used this phrase, my Lord the King. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24, Saul has come out of the cave. David has cut off the corner of his robe and uh, Saul comes out. David then got up, went out of the cave and called to Saul, my Lord the King. He's talking about Saul when he says, my Lord the King in that verse. Have a look at chapter 26. Again, uh, he's had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he hasn't done it. And in the morning, uh, they call out to Abner, who should have been guarding the king. And we get to verse 17. Saul recognized David's voice and asked, is that your voice, my son, David? It is my voice, my lord, the king. They're the only two times before chapter 29 and verse 8, when David refers to my lord, the king. So when we see him say this, we think, Ah, what's he actually saying? What have I done? I've always been with you until today. What have you found against your servant to keep me from going along to fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King? Translation, to fight against the enemies of Saul. In other words, it's a loaded statement. Achish thinks he's referring to him as my Lord, the King, and he's going to fight 
against the Israelites, the enemies of the Philistines. But David's actually saying the reverse, that he's going to fight against the Philistines, the enemies of Saul, who is my lord, the king. But Achish just doesn't get it. I reckon if Achish and the other generals from the different uh, cities of uh, the, the Philistines were up here on the platform and I was to say someone's written gullible up on the ceiling, Achish would be the only king who looks up to read it, right? He just doesn't get it that David is tricking him. But the others work it out and so David is sent away and he has to go back. And he does. So he finishes the chapter. David and his men got up early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. And you'll pick up in chapter 30 why that was a good thing. Because what's going to happen as we look at next week, God is going to make sure the Philistines beat the Israelites and he doesn't want David there. And so God makes sure that David is taken out of the picture. And so David is not part of the battle. He's not fighting for either side. And it's probably a good thing for Achish that God has done this, taken David away. Because if David had been there, he would have turned against the Philistines. He wasn't a traitor. He was actually working for God's people. But God didn't want the Philistines to lose this battle because God was going to bring judgment against Saul and he was going to use the Philistines to do it. And we'll see this next week. But the fact that God... uh, takes David away is good for what happens in chapter 30 that you can look at in your discussion groups. Now, I'd love to be able to say, you know, just like in that thing, the plot line that points us to Jesus. But to do that, we have to look at chapter 30 to see how it points to Jesus. This whole section from 27 to 31 is a contrast yet again between the sort of king that David will be and the sort of king that Saul is. When the Israelites first asked for a king in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel warned them, if you do this, you will suffer because God is your king and he's a God who gives. But if you want a human king, he will take and he will take and he will take. And of course, they still want a king and Saul did that. He took, when he saw a a mighty fighting man, he took him into his army. When he saw David kill Goliath, he took him and would not allow him to go back to his family and made him a general in his army. Saul is a king who takes and takes. And you'll see in chapter 30 that David is the reverse of that. David is the king who gives to those who are his subjects, just as Jesus does. Jesus is the king who gives. And David in chapter 30, you'll also see, is the king who rescues his people, just as Jesus does. I've already given you some hints for your discussion groups. All right. I just love reading 1 Samuel. There's so many interesting bits in the story, and there's a whole lot there that I just jumped over because we don't have time to go through all of it. But these passages are full of hints and and suggestions of one thing and another and connections with what's happened earlier and so on. And uh, it's a wonderful book because it gives us a picture of God's king, the one who will rule properly. And it's a picture of the king to come, and that is God's son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for 1 Samuel and we thank you for the way that it's been recorded for us so that as we look at it more closely, we can see the connections and we can see what's going on, even if people like Akish in the story just don't get it.
Father, we thank you for David. Uh, We thank you that he is a picture of your king, of your son, Jesus. And as uh, we see in chapter 30, uh, when we look at it later, that David is a, a king who will give and rescue just like Jesus. Father, help us to have our allegiance with your king, with your son, Jesus, that we might serve him that we might trust in him for our salvation and for our provision of all things. And we ask this in his name. Amen.